when the replay official did not stop I, the I'm game. not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Any idiot can say whatever they want, and they usually do, and they're negative. And all I see, to me, I've gotten to a point now when I see things like that, I feel sorry that those people feel that way, that their lives don't have the purpose, the passion, and the excitement and the enjoyment that some of us do. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of that. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. And as my, as the head football coach at South Carolina, my job is to do what I feel is best for the University of South Carolina football program today and going forward in the future. And that's what I did. We wish him well and uh, have nothing but uh, 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 we, we wish him well. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo once again. It's Cousin Shane's birthday. I wanted to give the man, I know he's been off for what seems like several weeks. That's because he has been, but <laughs> it's his birthday. So I didn't want to drag him on one of these shows. He needs to rest and relax because we got SEC Media Days coming up less than a week away. So, uh, hey, we're going to be bringing you so many pods next week. Got a lot of ideas lined up for the show hopefully we'll have a lot of guests uh, eager to come on the show and talk some sec football and that's what i'm going to try to do this week leading up to it because i'm feeling good i'm feeling fresh wanting to bring you guys the content leading into the event that's what we're doing today man i've got a really great guest lined up he's been on the show before nick roush of kentucky sports radio he's going to hop on the line here in a minute talk about some kentucky football we went on a real deep dive here so Really appreciate Nick jumping on the line. You got to give him a follow at Roush KSR on Twitter and listen to his podcast. If you're a big Kentucky fan, 11 personnel for my money is the best Kentucky football podcast out there. But hey, before we get to that, something we've kind of been teasing. This is actually Cousin Shane's idea, but uh, I don't know when the hell he's ever going to jump back on. So I've just figured I'd dive right into it and talk some Heisman odds. The Heisman Trophy is arguably the most prestigious award, not only in college football, but I think in all of sports. I mean, I couldn't even tell you the name of the MVP in the NFL or NBA or anything like that. So everybody knows the Heisman. And instead of just throwing out odds at you guys, which is pretty damn boring, I think I've uh, come up with a way to make this topic a little interesting and round up and and add a, a bunch of teams here. Because if you head on over to DraftKings, that's where I'm getting these odds. They have currently about 30 SEC players with odds to win the Heisman Trophy. With uh, Alabama's quarterback Bryce Young, he's got better odds than anybody in the entire SEC. I don't think in the nation. I'm just talking SEC guys here. But number one in the SEC, 
Bryce Young 8-1 to to win the Heisman. Roll Tide! I think that's a little crazy. He certainly could win the award if he has a huge breakout season. I'm not saying, you know, he shouldn't be considered, but to have him the favorite overall among all SEC players, that may be a bit of a reach in my opinion, but I'm sure most Alabama fans probably disagree with that. The fact that I'm against it means it's probably going to happen. So, <laughs> no, here's what I want to do. I just wanted to run down a couple categories here based on these uh, Heisman odds, and I'm going to go best bet to win the award is not exactly who I think will win the award, but I think he's the best bet in the SEC. And that's the third guy on the list. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback. Twenty to one odds to win the Heisman Trophy. Pretty good odds for a guy that uh, may be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Now, of course, uh, just because you're the best player, doesn't mean you're going to win the Heisman. And this award typically just goes to, you know, the best player on a team that's headed to the college football playoff. Can Ole Miss take that jump? You know, I have my doubts, as do most people. But if Matt Corral is, you know, puts together an insane season, there's no reason to think uh, Ole Miss can't shock the world and, and maybe do make a run to that SEC West title and challenge for the SEC title in Atlanta this year. Not saying... That's going to happen, but for me, that's the best bet. You know, a lot of people probably think JT Daniels. He's actually second on the list, 12 to 1 odds over at uh, DraftKings, but I keep saying it, man. I think JT Daniels is a hell of a quarterback. You can go up and look it up. The moment he signed with Georgia, I said they got their guy that uh, can lead him to a national championship, but I don't quite have him on that level with a Joe Burrow, like a Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's quite that elite. But hell, if Georgia goes undefeated, wins the SEC, he may they may hand it to him anyway. So uh, I think he's a hell of a quarterback. I just I just don't know if he's going to throw 40 touchdowns like he probably need to to win the Heisman Trophy. But he's right there. I just I don't want think people thinking I'm overlooking it. But I I could see Matt Corral throwing 40, 50 touchdowns, and if Ole Miss shocks the world and gets to Atlanta, I think Matt Corral is going to be your Heisman Trophy winner. All right, how about this category? One player on the list. Not getting enough buzz. Emory Jones, 33 to 1. Now, again, I'm not saying I think he's going to win the Heisman or anything, but if there's a guy on this list that is several notches down below a lot of these other guys, he's got talent. He's got massive talent. He's got arguably the best quarterback coach in college football training him. Been in the system a number of years. This is the money year. For Emory Jones, make or break year. If he doesn't get it done here, we got a question if he's ever going to do it. So I just think he's not getting enough buzz for this award. Imagine if Florida, I know no one's picking it, but imagine they win the East again, shock the world, and, and win the SEC title in Atlanta. You better believe it. It's going to be because Emory Jones had a huge breakout year, maybe like uh, Dak Prescott in 2014. I don't believe Dak was a Heisman finalist but I think he finished fourth or fifth. So um, certainly I think Emory Jones, if he leads Florida to Atlanta, he's going to get that invite. If they win the conference title, I think he's going to get that award. So not getting enough buzz for me, Emory Jones, 33-1. to 1. And how about this? Here, here's another one, another category, the Mac Jones candidate. We all know Mac Jones, the season he had last year. A lot of people, myself included, I'll throw myself in here, didn't even think he was going to be the starting quarterback 
throughout the entire season. Kind of shows what an idiot I am on that one. But is there another guy out there that I'm liking the odds that many don't even have pegged as the starting quarterback in the SEC? How about this name? Max Johnson, LSU. Go Tigers. 66-1 to win the Heisman Trophy. If he comes out and is a starting quarterback for LSU week one, and he leads them to a really good season like I think the Tigers are about to have, I think he's going to be a candidate to win that award. And look at the history of the Heisman Trophy in recent college football. It's a lot of second-year quarterbacks. I know a lot of them, like uh, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. A lot of those guys were redshirt freshmen, I believe, and they either won the Heisman or made it as a Heisman finalist. I think all three of those guys I just named, I think they all won it. So that big second-year jump, if you're asking me who's that guy this year, I think it's Max Johnson. 66-1, to that'd be a smart play just to throw a couple bucks on over at DraftKings. I think there's massive potential for Max Johnson to, again, not sitting here saying he's going to win the Heisman, but I think he's a huge breakout candidate that's uh, way down the list here. Now, how about this? got two names for this one. I'm calling this the Joe Burrow candidate for the Heisman. And as crazy as it is to think back, go back to the 2019 season when Joe Burrow led LSU to arguably the, the best season, college football history, Heisman Trophy winner. Joe Burrow was not listed on any odds to win the Heisman Trophy, at least that I'm aware of. And these lists now, I mean, they're like 100 deep. So he was not even in the consideration even for that. So is there someone on the list? There's two guys. First one, Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez. How does he not have odds to win the Heisman Trophy? You know, imagine he comes out here and goes loose for Nick Roush is going to get to it. I mean, he's pretty bold talk, a lot of bold talk around Chris Rodriguez in and around Lexington. If Kentucky somehow is a, you know, if Kentucky – with the new offense, new quarterback, maybe they're the just a surprise of the nation. You know, their talent under Mark Stoops is at a level where it's never been at before. So potential, there's serious potential there. Chris Rodriguez goes off, could see him being a Heisman candidate. And this one was tough. This is kind of why I went in two, because I'm not even giving a specific name. This is cheating a little bit. But whoever wins that quarterback competition down in College Station, whether it's Hayes King or Zach Calzada. Neither one of those guys currently has odds to win the Heisman Trophy. I think there's real potential for either one of those guys to slide into the lineup with the team surrounding them. Texas A&M could have a very, very special season, and we all know the quarterbacks get all the praise when that happens. So uh, if one of those guys steps up and can deliver in some big-time games, specifically I'm thinking Alabama and LSU, they are going to find themselves at the top of that heap. Hayes King, Zach Calzada, no odds to win the Heisman. As soon as that quarterback competition is announced, I'd throw a couple bucks on the winner of it just to be a Heisman candidate. If you can find odds anywhere, I can't find them here on DraftKings. All right, how about this one? I'm calling this the Reggie White candidate. Now, this is a player that every time he steps on the field, arguably the best player, but no chance to win the Heisman. And it's not because they're not a great player. It's just the way – I have no idea why it is this way, but it, we all know you got to be a quarterback 
you got to be a running back, or you got to be a receiver that does has a special year like Devonta Smith, or returns kickoffs. <laughs> the only other exception I can think of is uh, Charles Woodson, you know, playing both sides of the ball. So you basically have to do one of those four things to be considered for the Heisman for some damn reason. But this guy potentially, if he's as dominant as I think he can be. Traylon Burks, Arkansas receiver, 100-1 to 1 to win the Heisman. Woo pig! You know, kind of think of the one guy that almost broke that rule was old Larry Fitzgerald, if you remember him back in his uh, his final season there at Pitt. I mean, he basically was the team, carried them. I think they went to a BCS Bowl game even that year. So Traylon Burks, I think, has the potential to be that kind of an elite player for Arkansas this season. And again, is it realistic he's going to win the Heisman? No. But if they gave it to the truly the best player and not just one of those starting quarterback, running back, or receiver that returns kicks or, or defensive back that plays both ways, if they truly open it up to just the best player in college football, I think Traylon Burks is going to have a case. And his odds over here, 101 to win this Heisman Trophy. So maybe worth throwing a buck or two on that over at DraftKings. Next up, the Champ Bailey candidate. This is a guy played both ways. Is there a candidate out there? Stunned to see this guy's got no odds. Whenever they put him out, if they allow you to bet on him, wouldn't be a terrible play here. Derek Stingley. Go Tigers. Been waiting and waiting for this guy to get a shot on offense. I don't know if it'll ever come, but I could see him possibly getting into the rotation there at receiver. Uh, I, You know, probably not every game. You don't want to run him ragged or anything, but against an Alabama, against the Texas A&M, against a Florida Maybe even in the opener against UCLA just to put some tape out there. But Derek Stingley, got to give him some love. No odds currently for the Heisman. But if there's a two-way player in the SEC that gets it done, I think maybe Derek Stingley Jr. is that guy that could do it. And then last but not least, I really hate to I hate to even bring this up. But in case of an injury, two guys you may want to throw money on immediately Oh, Carson Beck down there at Georgia, backup quarterback. He's got 101 odds. And at Ole Miss, receiver slash quarterback John Rice Plumby, 250 to 1. <laughs> oh, man. Like I said, let's not even play the, the what-if game with these injuries. But if someone goes down, it may be worth it to, to throw a buck or two on uh, John Rice Plumley or Carson Beck because who knows that the type of numbers those guys could put up if for, for whatever reason, maybe a suspension, I don't know. If those guys are starting quarterback, for the rest of the season. I think they have potential to really fly up these Heisman charts. Obviously long shots each of them, but maybe worth throwing a dollar or two on them. All right, so that's enough of me spieling on here. Let's get to our interview with uh, Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. You guys are really going to appreciate this one. Well, we're pleased to uh, once again be joined by Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. You got to give him a follow at Roush. KSR on the Twitters. Hey, he co-hosts the best Kentucky football podcast out there, the 11 personnel with Adam Luckett, who's also been on the show. So just want to say thanks again, Nick, for joining the show. I really appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm happy to be on here. I know I, I can feel that football season is upon us when we're getting into conversations like this. So happy, happy to be on and kind of it, it felt like a newsier June than normal because of the football recruiting, you know, finally being back and back to in-person stuff. But I just feel like we're going to be trudging through the muck and mire just to, <laughs> to get to the 
to the good hot 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 take season down at SEC football media day. So really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. And I hope you appreciate the fact. Yeah, I lit up the blue. I did that for Kentucky. I did that just for you. So <laughs> thank you. Thank I'm you. I'm ready for this one. And hey, I gotta you know give you a shout out for your hustle. I want to start right off the bat talking about Kentucky adding Dare Rosenthal, but uh, you went and watched a guy work out. What can you tell us about uh, just you watching him work out and, and his addition to Kentucky's roster? Yeah, he. Uh, it's one of those things. So uh, to, to peel back the curtain, I found out a few weeks back that Kentucky, it, it was like, oh, the Cats could be getting another transfer portal guy. And when I, fa- I first found out it was an LSU offensive lineman, I never, I never would have expected it would have been their starting left tackle, who's looks like a first round draft pick. When the news came out of that, it was potentially Dare Rosenthal. Kind of, you know, it, it became a poorly kept secret there for a while, uh, and then the day it actually became official, I was able to go watch him work out, watch him train, spoke to him for five ten minutes or so. Uh, first off, you he looks like the kind of first round offensive tackle kind of grade where six, seven really lengthy guy that I just, I don't know about you, Mike, but these, these modern day linemen are just so impressive to watch because they aren't just big fat guys. You know, they're great athletes and he is an incredible athlete. And I think uh, after leaving that conversation with him, it was one of those where um, I, I think we overlook the value in having a, proven success story uh you kind of see it in the high school ranks when a school gets really good at recruiting a certain school you know they see their former teammate doing well so they want to follow in that guy's footsteps uh you saw that with kelvin joseph uh where he comes to kentucky uh is there for a year has a ton of interceptions gets picked in the second round even though he opted out a game earlier than they would have liked i think it was an overall success for both parties i think they were pleased with how it worked out Dare sees that he was classmates with the guy. It all made sense for him when he was ready to make that move uh, to go to a place like Kentucky that has a lot of offensive line talent. So uh, Kentucky's offensive line, I think it was going to be one of the best before this edition. And, I, you know, I, I'm not as well versed elsewhere, but I, I, I'm willing to say that they've got the, the best offensive line in the SEC right now. Mm, well, I was going to ask you that already, but you answered it. All right, perfect. But uh, any idea where Dare's going to play? I mean, he could play tackle, he could play guard, or is it maybe a little bit too early to say, considering the fact he just joined the team? It's tough. You know, I, I wanted to – I tried to get that out of him a few times, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know, he was just, oh, I'm happy to be wherever I want to be. And even asking around some folks close to the program, they weren't willing to say one way or the other because – uh, part of the pitch to bring back Darian Kennard, who is a preseason, I mean, he, he's going to be a consensus preseason All-American mm-hmm. at tackle. Part of the reason he came back, he wanted to show NFL teams that he could play left. Here's the thing. I think eventually they might say, Darian, you know, you're kind of probably going to end up playing right anyway. I know that's not where the money is, but you're kind of built for it. So, so I could maybe see them keeping Dare at left. Uh, because he has more of the pass pro rest because he has that length uh, leaving Darian. So you got Darren Darian, but I think when it's all shakes out, you could have uh, two first team offensive or two first round offensive tackles uh, <laughs> at Kentucky, which 
man, doesn't happen often, but, uh, you know, really what John Sharman helped do. He, 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 Kentucky's now an offensive line school. And uh, that's saying something, considering that for the longest time we thought Kentucky had to win based on gimmicks here in the Bluegrass. And now it's like, no, they're, they're winning with with play on in, in the trench. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, about uh, Kentucky's recruiting because it started out – they're still they still got a top 25 class but it's slowed down a little bit here in the month of june mm-hmm. and i don't know if you're a subscriber to the athletic or not but they just had a really interesting article on the state of ohio and just mm-hmm. the fact that uh, you know kentucky goes there so regularly and more than just mentioning kentucky i would say uh, vince morrow was mentioned about a dozen times in that article just <laughs> you know the fact that yeah. he knows everybody up there and if a kid's not going to Ohio State, number two, he's probably going to Kentucky because of Vince Morrow. So how how big is he in uh, this Kentucky recruiting class and just the success that uh, the program keeps having on the recruiting trail? Because they keep selling this as going to be the best recruiting class ever uh, under Mark Stoops anyway. So I don't, what can you say just about Vince Morrow and, and just the job the entire staff's doing on the recruiting trail for this cycle? They, they've had to – uh, what's what's the exact word? Recalibrate was the word that Mark Stoops used because they did take a, a hit when Steve Klinkscale, he was the guy who recruited Michigan for Kentucky. He got the highest ranked signee in the internet era uh, from the state of Michigan and Justin Rogers, who's going to be in that rotation as a three-tech defensive tackle this year. Um, they got, they've got a lot of high-quality players from the state of Michigan. Finally, Michigan was like, "We just got to hire this dude. We can't, we can't, we can't let these guys slip through our fingers." So uh, there were, there's a couple guys I know. Um, uh, Miles Pollard from Na- the Nashville area, he recently committed to Michigan. That was a guy who Kentucky was in a good spot before the clean scale departure. So they they taken a hit a little bit in that aspect, uh, but I think for the most part. Uh, the, the other recalibrating word is I think it was a, all right, let's have a solid foundation, but let's kind of slow play so that we can really hit the transfer portal hard because that's really where they've done their best recruiting is in the transfer portal. Wondell Robinson is going to be a, you know, all sec caliber receiver. At least that's the hopes if the quarterback position works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned Dare Rosenthal already. Uh, they got Jacquez Jones, a linebacker from Ole Miss, after uh, they they suffered a pre a spring practice season ending injury. So they they instead of loading up with early commits and trying to hang on, they got about a dozen or so guys, a lot of in state guys, and that's where Morrow's really cashed in. He's got some some kids from Cincinnati Moeller, which is a big time private school in Ohio, but the rest have been getting you know four stars from Kentucky. Uh, you got Keontae Goodwin, who he's technically in the Indiana recruiting rankings, but he's he's from Louisville. He grew up in Louisville. He just plays high school ball across the river. Uh, he's a top 50 guy uh, or, or a fringe top 50 guy. Grant Bingham's a four-star offensive lineman. So they've got, I think, five of the top seven players from the state, give or take. So that's kind of how they've laid the base. And then they, they picked up the Wade Twins from Tennessee. Uh, and – you're going to see a lot of recruiting battles, I think, between Kentucky and Tennessee down the home stretch where Kentucky's like, all right, we've got a good base. Now let's go get some big fish uh, in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee to kind of finish things up. Because uh, as much as they still do get guys from Ohio, 
they are kind of going more toe to toe with with uh, SEC schools, and I think their hope is that you kick Tennessee while they're down. You know, really pour some salt in those open wounds while the Vols are. You know, because let, let's be honest, Mike, it's it's probably <laughs> going to be a long year in Knoxville. So once the games start getting played, I think Kentucky's confident that they can. Uh, they can do. They, they can open some eyes down in SEC country. I can only imagine what Vince Morrow and Mark Stoops are selling, punishment wise for Tennessee. The death penalty is coming. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they 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 just don't have any McDonald's bags to hand out. You know. <laughs> Let me ask you this: we're Getting into uh, you know we're less than a week here from SEC media days, and you're seeing all these lists. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, pro football or or this outlet or that outlet. Nobody's got Chris Rodriguez as the best running back in the SEC outside of Kentucky Sports Radio. And uh, I don't know if you follow SEC Stat Cat, Clark's, Clark Books. He's he's outstanding. But, I mean, aside from that, there's just not a whole lot of love out there for Chris Rodriguez. And why do you think that is? And, and do you have him as the SEC's best running back? I'm not, I'm not going to be falling for the Tank Bigsby. I mean – it's one of those things, first off, you just got to consider that Auburn's going to be a team that it's they're in rebuild mode. And it was already going to be a seller's kind of year for them. But the thing with all of these preseason projections and all of your teams, a lot of it is just, all right, what did you do for me last year? And the thing that people won't read between the lines within Rodriguez is that he wasn't a high-volume guy. So the guy, is, is it Kevin Wilson? Is that his name in South Carolina? Kevin Harris. His name right? Kevin Harris. All right. Kevin Wilson's the coach at Indiana. Got my Kevins mixed up. But he was a high volume guy who got a ton of yards. I mean, led to SEC and rushing. And people are, will just look at the kind of raw stats simply. You don't see on the stat line that Chris Rodriguez didn't get tackled for loss until the bowl game. He didn't get tackled for loss in the bowl game. He averaged, I think, north of six yards a carry and was still. In, in just pure yards, I think in the top eight or some odd in, in overall rushing yards last year. And that was missing a game down at Alabama with COVID protocols where they were going to end up leaning on him heavily. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is just seeing through the numbers. And then there's also just the – Mark Stoops' team is not a popular team down in Hoover. They're just not. Yeah. They're never going to be. Stoops isn't the guy that's going to go up to the podium and make a bunch of people laugh. He's not going to – do a bunch of selling. It takes a rare uh, salesman like Benny Snell to to put up a couple thousand yard seasons for to people to get noticed for folks in Hoover to pay attention. So when we go down there next week, I still anticipate UK to be to not be even the third team in the East. That's going to be Drinkowitz. They're drinking the Dorkowitz Kool Aid. I can already feel it. It's coming. So I that's where uh, you know I, I'm not surprised. Uh, but you know what? I actually think Kentucky relishes that underdog role. So I kind of invite the that uh, the disrespect card that they'll kind of get down there. Because Chris Rodriguez, not only do I think he's the best running back in the SEC, but I think if in this, not only with the additions on the offensive line, right, we're really the only question mark is at center. Important spot to fill, but you have a loaded offensive line and you've got an offense that's going to be able to utilize play action more. Kentucky has been one of the best rushing teams in the SEC without any passing threat at all. So if you can just give a semblance of play action, some sort of explosiveness in the passing game, that's going to open things up for Rodriguez. And I think 
Uh, no, you know what, Damon? I'm on that SEC podcast. I'm gonna make a hot take. He's gonna he is going to break the single season rushing record. It's the only rushing record Benny Sell doesn't have. I think he can get up into the 1600 yard mark and break one that Mo Williams set back in '95. Uh, I know that doesn't scream a lot, but that's the kind of year that he can have that puts the UK in that nine win, you know, kind of stratosphere and, and really puts them in a position to tick off a lot of people in the SEC. All right, boom. There's uh there's a clip I'm I'm gonna make. So there. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That, that's that, that these are the kind of takes that I, I need around SEC media days. Time. Exactly. I mean, I really get fired up ahead of the season. So you already talked about Wandale Robinson. Safe to say he's unfortunately we didn't get to see him in the no spring game or anything like that. But uh mm-hmm. hell I just posted a clip that Kentucky gave us you know all those in the media and it got like 10,000 views I mean safe to say he's living up to the hype I mean what's the expectations for him this year he's one of those guys that he's all what's fun about like it's really weird because he initially committed to Kentucky and then decommitted like a week before signing day so there was a lot of animosity especially to a place like Nebraska you know, it'd be one thing if you went to Alabama or something, but Nebraska really rubbed folks the wrong way. Now that he's back, it's the, I, I don't think it's wishful thinking to kind of wish that he can make up for two years in one year because they do have an offense that should uh, open things up for him, give him some more opportunities. And just have, like Josh Ali was a solid receiver last year. Uh, I want to say he had, 53 receptions, something like that, which is the second most by a receiver in the Stoops era. But he was the only guy. That's part of the reason why he got so many. I think having two guys there in reliable pass catchers at tight ends should make things more balanced to where uh, these guys can actually get open in one-on-one coverage. And let's say, you know, second and two. You, as much as you want to watch out for the play action, perfect way to play, you know, you you make everybody think you're running outside zone left one or Wandale's lined up on the left side and they come drop a play action. He just does a short drag and catches it three yards down the line of scrimmage, makes a guy miss in one-on-one and goes 40 yards for a game. He's going to bring a big play factor that Kentucky just hasn't had since Lynn Bowden. And really since that 2018 season, because in 2019, he was just a big play waiting to happen from quarterback. He didn't really get much going in the passing game, you know, with all the injuries at quarterback. So just having that elusiveness, I don't think he's necessarily a uh, – like it's not like Elijah Moore speed where Lane Kiffin's drawing up some just one-on-one stuff over the top. He's going to get open on a few shots, but he's more of that lateral side to side breakaway kind of elusiveness where versus the, the top end, take the top off the defense. That's the, the one thing Kentucky is missing is just a guy that, all right, he's our deep play guy. He's going to make the safety backpedal a little bit quicker than normal. They're still missing that, but Wandale's given them some big play fact that they haven't seen in a while. Now Mark Stoops always gets uh, a little aggravated with you in, in particular when you ask about the quarterbacks I've noticed. So, <laughs> Hey, I'm not asking Mark Stoops. I'm asking you, who do you like for the starting quarterback? Will Levis is it going to be or Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen. Who does Nick Roush have as a Kentucky starter to, to begin the season? So I was buying Bo when, when the season ended, 
it, it's fun because you kind of see how the, it all fluctuates uh, throughout the offseason. When the season ended, I was I was buying Bo Allen stocks. When Will Levis got entered into the transfer portal, I was like, oh, gosh, I was wrong. This is the pocket passer that Liam Cohen wants. This is the guy he's going to go out and get. Bo Allen, that's for two years down the road kind of deal. Then when spring practice happened, I think Cohen was pleasantly surprised at how well Joey Gatewood took to the coaching. That probably helps when you've been through three different offense coordinators in as many seasons. So uh, I think Gatewood is going to make it to where Levis has to really bring his A game every day. But I still think that ultimately uh, the week before uh, game week, Levis is going to get announced as a starter. He has the raw tools. He runs well. Uh, the thing that I don't know about with him and with all these guys, and some of it's not having a spring game, uh, but it's, it's, it's the accuracy stuff. Uh, and you know, I, when it comes to quarterbacks, Mike, I don't know about you, but I feel like teaching somebody accuracy after three or four years is you, you there comes a point where you're beating your head against the wall mm-hmm. uh, i think auburn fans uh, even though i've been taking a lot of shots at them re- <laughs> in this show i think they feel that to an extent with bo nicks tennessee certainly knows that with jared garantano and hell even south carolina with um the kid who hell he's now he went to utah and now he's i think bentley? Louisiana jake Tech. bentley yeah jake bentley and, you know, each one, of course, is has different nuances to their struggles. But I think in Gatewood's case, I haven't seen a large sample size, but I just wonder if that's going to be there or not. I know Levis worked with a uh, quarterbacks, the biomechanics guy to help kind of fix that. So so maybe that could make him a little bit more accurate. I read but, that uh, article. I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> yeah, because there, there was a lot of just – um mumbo jumbo but my thoughts were okay let's get the hips and the shoulders to kind of work together in unison and you know it it may be all mumbo jumbo but levis could at least feel the difference in the way he was throwing now can he develop the camaraderie in the huddle can he develop those connections with his wide receivers uh that quickly I know Gatewood had the locker room in the spring. Can can Levis be that good uh, in the summer to win that job? I I don't know. I think so. Um, that's why I'm. I, I believe he'll ultimately be the starting quarterback. But we're gonna have a fun, you know, two weeks or so of assessing out what happens and judging every single throw that we get sent out to us in a clip and every uh, you know practice report whisper whenever they get together at Kroger Field for a few preseason scrimmages. What are your expectations? You talked about it briefly here with uh, Liam Cohen's offense, but I mean, I, I would imagine the the expectations there in Big Blue Nation is, is sky high. Is that fair? Or, uh, you know, because he's, he's bringing the first, uh, the first one to be bringing that McVay offense to the SEC. So, I mean, there's real potential for, I think, the, the rest of the league not to know how to handle it. What are your thoughts on that? So, I – when you Liam Cohen is very wise to name drop when he does he'll he'll you know I was on the phone with Joe Brady yesterday or you know I was on the phone with Sean he doesn't say McVeigh that's you know it, it's just Sean they're on a first name basis but I think a lot of folks 
wanted it to be Kentucky's Joe Brady, and that's just not going to be the case. You don't have the skill at wide receiver like LSU had. You don't have Joe Burrow at quarterback. You know, the, the tools, are, the weapons just aren't there to have that sort of offense explosion. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think the tools are there to improve the running game and use that. I mean, it's so simple, Mike. Like, when you run the ball that well, you should be able to take some big shots out of play action. And I think just by making the play action a more reliable part of the game, I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but pro football focus, you know, they, Kentucky was ranked in the bottom, like, hundreds or something in play action pass. They just weren't utilizing it well enough because in the inside zone, there's not enough. It doesn't, the, the it's a not a slow developing play. The mm-hmm. outside zone is slow enough developing that it, it forces the defenses to actually bite on it, makes play action more effective. So make a long story short, Kentucky's actually done decent running the football in scoring points, but they just haven't been explosive enough. I think they add some explosiveness to they, they add some more big plays to their offense. And instead of averaging in the mid-20s, uh, 25, 26, I think is what they were scoring per game, I think they're going to average 34, 35 points a game. And really, I, I there's going to be times this year where their offense, they're going to have to lean on them to win some football games. And if you want to upset some good teams out there, if you want to upset Florida, you're going to have to put up some points. You're just going to have to put up some points to beat a Dan Mullen football team. So uh, I, I think that they're going to be much improved. Where in that pecking order, I'm not quite sure. But I think just with their basics that they already had, you add a few tools that they should be able to score more points this fall. And, and is it enough to beat Florida? I hope so. But I think after losing a lot on their defense and kind of having a lot of turnover luck, I mean, they picked off. 1700 passes last year give or take so uh, they're gonna they're gonna you can't rely on that many interceptions again you can't rely on your team to lead the league in picks so i think the offense is gonna have to score some more points for them to to be successful and win some games yeah uh, garantano is not playing them this year to my knowledge unless it's in the bowl right. game That's, that would be nice though wouldn't it i mean <laughs> i mean just think how tick garantano would be awake up my gosh i gotta play kentucky again Four more interceptions. Hey, we reached the point of the Mark Stoops era where, you know, I think in years past, you lose a guy like Josh Allen. It's how the hell are we going to replace this guy? Now we've lost a couple more draft picks to the NFL. Defense is lacking starting experience overall, maybe not in the, at the safety position, but have we reached the point where, you know, they've got enough depth? I'm looking up and down the roster. I mean, it's touted recruit after touted recruit coming up. So are the expectations there that the Kentucky defense is going to be just as good, if not better, despite losing some NFL talent? So I, yes and no. I, I Kentucky is really solid up the middle. And I think Yusuf Corker is a guy that should have his name on all SEC teams at media days. And he probably won't. You know, they'll just somebody from LSU or somebody from Alabama will get there. But Yusuf Corker is going to end up being one of those draft picks next year that you aren't hearing about now that you're going to be hearing about in the last week of April. So folks, just go ahead, write that down. Yusuf Corker, NFL draft pick. That's going to happen. They've got a four-year starter or at least a four-year contributor at linebacker in DeAndre Square. He's played a ton of football at the well linebacker spot. You've had some injuries at the other spot, and you had Jamin Davis leave unexpectedly. Um, but Trevin Wallace is the 
most prolific recruit they've got uh, to play that position ever. He is going to be a bona fide star in due time. Uh, and I think he's really going to get rocking and rolling. But the part that I worry about, they really like their corners, their safeties. They're loaded up there. The corners are younger, but they, they Cedric Dorse played a lot of football as well, rotating in and out. The part that I worry about is just the pass rush because J.J. Weaver was in the middle of his best game against Florida. His first career start as a redshirt freshman, a four-star from Louisville, tears his ACL, and that game was in November. So how how fast can, is he going to be back? And when he comes back, how much explosiveness does he still have out there? Uh, that's a big question mark that uh, I'm, I'm just not going to be – I'm going to be a skeptic in that regard. Jordan Wright is one of those guys who's good at getting to the quarterback, not necessarily great at getting him to the ground. So uh, Josh Pascal, he's really the key to making this defense special. Uh, he was the guy, if you all don't re recall, he had skin cancer two years ago, uh, found a piece of melanoma on his foot, had surgery, went through immunotherapy, came back and played uh, in that, uh, what, do you, what do you call the FCS kind of weekend, played in one of the final few games for Kentucky that year. But last year, you know, he was getting frustrated at times. He's, it took him a while to get his explosiveness back. He's got that full season under his belt, and the Stoops is normally pretty uh, reserved. He just could not stop heaping praise upon Pascal in the spring practice. So, and Corker was as well, just talking about how he, Pascal was really doing a great job of bowling up plays. So if he can get in the backfield and make some line of scrimmage plays, uh, I mean, that's really what Kentucky needs. They're a bend, don't break defense. And they just get opportune big plays. They're good at those havoc stats. So if you can find some havoc stats from Josh Pascal, Yusuf Corker is going to be a star, and I, and I think Kentucky's defense is going to be one of the better defenses in the league once again. Last thing, Nick, I just want to ask you about the schedule. Week two, huge game, Missouri. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a crossroads type game. How big of a game is that in your mind for uh, Kentucky's upcoming season? Well, that that's a game that if you want it to be special, you that's that's where it starts because you have the opportunity to build some momentum. Uh, you go on the road. I mean, the road SEC games are South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Those are pretty – it's pretty winnable. And mm -hmm. so you've got your tough games at home. If you can win that game in Missouri, you're looking at 5-0 and with Florida coming in town, pro probably a top 25 matchup in October. That'll be a raucous, raucous crowd. So beating Missouri is imperative. Uh, and it's something that the coaches, uh, they actually were on Kentucky Sports Radio a week ago. They aren't shy about it. They want that Missouri game. They feel like they were the better team last year. They let that game get away from them. Some of it, they're extenuating circumstances. That was uh, the first game that John Sharman missed. And, I, you know, they all knew that they weren't going to get him back. Uh, that was that was really kind of somber but put all that aside they still gave up I think five fourth down conversions and Larry Roundtree just ate at him three yards at a time so I do feel like even though Missouri will probably be picked to finish third in the east I think Kentucky's got a better football team they lost a ton of guys to the transfer portal Larry Roundtree ain't walking through that door um, um and then the other kid's name uh, they're running back now. He is a talent. Uh, not Higby, not Hogby. Uh, Young? Ba Batty. Batty. Oh, Batty. Batty. Yeah, Batty's good. Batty. Yeah, Batty's a good back. And I think Connor Basilak's talented. But 
you can't overstate just how much they lost on defense. I mean, they got gutted. So I, I do think Kentucky will have the better football team, uh, but that's a game you you got to win. And I, I think it's going to be the first big-time atmosphere at the Krogue in a long time. So uh, a rowdy crowd, a revamped offense, I, I think it should do enough to, to get a big win in week two and really give the Cats some momentum uh, early in the season. Now, what about the teams that – you know, you may not be having them beat in Kentucky, but the vast majority of people, like I'm thinking Florida, Georgia, LSU, mm-hmm. if Kentucky's going to beat one of those teams this year, which one are you most confident that they'll that they'll find a way to upset? I think I'm probably – I would be more ready to say that Kentucky's going to win at home against Florida than on the road at Mississippi State. Starkville's a house of horrors for Kentucky. They have lost by three-plus touchdowns, I, I think, the last umpteen times I've been there. And if you look at the Florida series, that's been a very close game uh, over the last four or five years. And Kentucky's only got one win out of that. And I know last year turned into a blowout. But, I, you know, I think in the second quarter, it was a 7 nothing, 7-3 ball game, you know? So – just the way that Kentucky's played him close lately, and I, I know that we give Dan Mullen a lot of, of praise when things are going right, but, you know, the 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 hinges were wobbly. Like, those, <laughs> those wheels, they were about to pop off, and they did at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he, he was making excuses left and right and hit the bowl <laughs> game. But, you know, you, you he lost a ton of talent, and he hasn't been recruiting like Florida's, uh, I think they want to be recruiting. So, um <laughs> to have to have to, to lose Kyle Trask to lose Kyle Pitts uh I, I'm, I'm not I mean but for Christ's sakes Kadarius Tony was a thorn in UK South forever that guy it, you he was probably undervalued for the talent that he was mm-hmm. and I didn't even mention uh Keon uh man I'm really bad at names right now Grimes but, is another <laughs> really good receiver they lost yeah yeah they lost a ton of talent there so I could very well see that being a nice uh a nice game for Kentucky to sneak up on people Georgia is the one that I'm as much as Kentucky's playing close I'm worried that that JT Daniels is finally going to give them an offense I don't know about you Mike but Mm-hmm. They got some potential there, even with the Pickens injury. So, but I, if I'm circling one on the calendar, it's that it's that Florida game. All right, last question for you, Nick. How bad is Tennessee going to be Kentucky this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I, I I appreciate how much the volunteers uh, love hate this podcast. Mm-hmm. I really do because there there is a contentious relationship there. Um, but you know what? Here's the thing. Tennessee, I will I will I will oblige and give Tennessee fans credit. They're going to win a game they're not supposed to because of this offense. They just are. They they they're going to get dumb and lucky. I was on this uh, on the other end of this 20 years ago. 25 years ago, and now the air raid has come to Knoxville. <laughs> Tennessee, you're finally going to be able to try to beat teams with a gimmicky offense. Good luck. It's it's fun every once in a while you score points, but you lose a ton of football games that way. And oh man, the three and outs they're going to be fast and furious. Uh, I I just I don't know who their savior is supposed to be, but whoever it is, it's not going to happen this year. And whenever probation comes down, the iron fist 
shuts them down. UFC K in Knoxville, they aren't going to be able to last. They aren't going to be able to last for long in the SEC. That administration, whew, good, good luck, Josh Heupel. Good luck, because it, it's going to be tough sledding for years and years to come. Well, Nick, you just made a lot of friends in Knoxville, but uh, hey, give them a follow at Roush KSR. Got to subscribe to the 11 Personnel Podcast and check out all his stuff on Kentucky Sports Radio. Nick, I really appreciate uh, all the time, and uh, this was as, as great as always. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, oh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, can't, can't can't wait to get the, the ball kicked off this fall. All right, so I want to say thanks again to Nick for hopping on the line here and uh, going so long. Nick's a great guy, does a hell of a job there for Kentucky Sports Radio and on the 11 Personnel Podcast. Again, you can find links to all that in the show notes to his podcast, to his Twitter. Must follow both of those if you're a true SEC football fan. So, man, you can hear it in his voice. You can probably hear it in mine. Ready for the season, ready for SEC Media Days right around the corner. I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. But uh, just want to say thanks to each and every one of you for hanging out and listening to a college football podcast here in the middle of July with, you know, we're right around 50 days till the season starts. And this will be our biggest year ever on the podcast. If you're not already following us on the YouTube channel, go ahead and check that out. I'm actually putting this uh, Nick Roush interview, the video aspect, all of it on, on our YouTube page, that SEC podcast. We're trying to get that going. Shane and I have invested a ton of money in camera and lighting and all this garbage to make us look halfway presentable we're not going to be fully presentable this season i guarantee it but we're going to try our damnedest here and uh, that's just a great way to to show us some love and show us some support go on over to the youtube page and subscribe won't cost you anything it's absolutely free to do that as always we really do appreciate each and every one of you listening to the show and giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. If you go ahead and do that and send that review on over to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, we'll send you a beer koozie of your choice, free of charge. Once again, that's just our way of saying thanks. And uh, Hey, we've got more great interviews lined up in the coming days, so there's going to be a lot of podcasts. Keep uh, refreshing your podcast app leading up to SEC Media Days, where we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of that event next week. But thanks for tuning in. Catch you on the next one.